You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Dan Shulman has been the face and voice of college basketball for ESPN for the past 20 years. A native of Toronto, he started broadcasting while at Western Ontario University calling the school's football and basketball games. In his career, he has covered football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and and the Olympics. The versatile showman has been with ESPN since 2001, serving in a variety of roles, but most notably as the network's lead college basketball announcer and a major league baseball announcer for many of those years. His broadcasts with Jay Billis are must-watch television. You know it's a big game when Dan and Jay are there. So, Dan, welcome to Sports Connections. Thank you, David. Glad to be with you. All right. Now, you've been involved in broadcasting for most of your adult life. Did you grow up playing sports? Yes, not particularly well, but I did like <laughs> playing sports. Um, I, I guess basketball was the sport that I played more than any other. Played a lot as a kid and played high school, but I was you know, just an average high school player at best. Um, played a lot of baseball as a kid, but wasn't particularly good at it. Uh, uh, never played ho- ice hockey. We just say hockey up here in Canada. Never played right. ice hockey, kid, but played road hockey and ball hockey and and all that stuff. A little bit of tennis, and then actually played water polo in high school, which was probably the only sport I was any good at. But um, I liked, I loved playing sports. I just wasn't particularly athletic or talented. And and you know, I'm I'm in the same boat. I played everything, uh, tried everything in high school. wasn't any good at any of it. Uh, but I just enjoyed it. And I think that's why I've enjoyed being a a sports writer. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a sports broadcaster? Was that a a longtime goal for you? Not really. I I was a math major in university. Um, My degree uh, actually was in actuarial sciences. I graduated from Western Ontario with a degree as an actuary. But while I was at school, I volunteered at the campus radio station. And this is you know, this is a, a million years ago, and university sports in Canada are much different on a, a much different level than than in the U.S. in terms of their coverage. Certainly back then. So, what I, I was broadcasting Western football games and basketball games, but it was just a hobby. It was nothing like you know the kids who go to Syracuse or Arizona State or Indiana or anything like that. Um, and I graduated and worked for an actuary for about six months, and I'd say about two months into it. I started questioning my decision and it's a, it's a, it's a great career for a lot of people, just not for me. And I kept around, you know, I'm old. So there's, these are cassette tapes that I had of some of my work at Western and started sending them out and eventually got a, a weekend job, a part-time job doing new sports traffic, weather at a small radio station uh, in a city called Barrie, Barrie, Ontario, about 50 miles north of Toronto. And that's kind of where it started. This was plan B at best. It wasn't even a plan. I just kind of fell into it. I used to be in insurance and somebody asked me what an actuary was. And I said, an actuary is an accountant with a personality deficiency. Yes, that's a joke. Uh, yeah. Well, that you didn't invent that line because I heard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard that line back in university. So that's that's been an old joke that's been going around for a yeah, while. Yeah, But somebody with the outgoing personality that you obviously have that comes through in your broadcast I can imagine that was really difficult for you to exist in that in that world. Um, it's interesting because I actually consider myself an introvert. Um, maybe for the two hours or three hours that I'm doing a basketball or a baseball game, it's a little bit different. I'm just very comfortable in, in that environment, I guess. I'm not terribly comfortable in most environments, and I, and I still do think of myself uh, as an introvert, but 
um, you know, as much as I am a sports fan is as much as I used to be a a math guy, a math geek, whatever you want to call it. Loved math. Couldn't couldn't take enough math courses uh, all through my life, you know, from elementary school, high school, university, and and took every course I could get my hands on. So um, I, I felt pretty comfortable, actually. Uh, socially in the actuarial world, I just wasn't sure if the career was right for me. Once I started working and I saw my boss and her boss and his boss and saw what they were doing and it's all great. I just didn't know if it was for me. So I decided to, decided to have my midlife crisis at 22 and, uh, and take a chance. Well, and those of us who are big Dan Shulman's fan, Dan Shulman fans like I am, are glad that you made that career switch because I enjoy Thank you. Uh, listening to your broadcast. Now, you've broadcast all the major sports. What's your favorite? Uh, well, I haven't done football since I was back in university, so I never did that professionally. I did a little bit of hockey my first few years, but really I've been a baseball basketball guy. And I, and, and I did several years of NBA for ESPN, and I did a couple of years of NBA in Canada as well. Um, but I've been doing predominantly baseball and college basketball. So, uh, and, and I, I always answer this question the same way. It's, uh, I don't know how I would choose between them. Yeah. It's, it's a tie. Uh, I feel blessed that uh, it's almost like I have two separate careers and I have one for seven months of the year and then the other one for the other five months of the career. And that's great. Uh, you know, nothing yeah. gets stale or old. You, you know, everything is, is, is fresh and you always have a new season around the corner. So um, I, I feel very lucky. I could have easily wound up as a football hockey guy. It's just really the opportunities right. that that were there when I was young and starting out were in baseball and basketball. And um, so that that's that's where it wound up. But I just as easily, I think, could have been a hockey football guy. I, I became good friends with Dick Enberg, Enberg before he passed. And I asked him that question because he's done everything. You know, and was good at everything. And those people make me sick. But, you know, I said, of all of the things you golf, tennis, the Olympics, pro and college basketball, pro and college football, baseball, what's your favorite? And he had a real quick answer for me. He said, what season is it? Whatever season it was, that was his favorite. And it came through that way as well. Yeah. And I feel the same. Dick Enberg, by the way, is my all time favorite. I think a sports announcer just absolutely, absolutely loved him. Um, but th- that's kind of how I feel. And, and I admire the guys who do more than two sports, who do three or four. And I even consider like college football and the NFL separate because it, it, right. it, it is different. You know, you're, you're learning different, different rosters and different players. Um, my brain, right. At least now is only capable of so much information. So I, I think I'm, I'm very happy with two. And, and one of the reasons it worked for me is baseball and college basketball fit together perfectly on the calendar. Absolutely perfectly. Um, little, if any, overlap, um, but no dead time between them as well. So it, it always worked for me. There were times I had you know, other opportunities to do this and that, but I think because I'm a creature of habit, I got really comfortable doing what I'm doing and just kind of stuck with it. Yeah, I told you before that uh, I've thought about writing a book on you know, either well-known broadcasters or sports writers the favorite events that they've covered, they've been a part of. What are some of the greatest events that you've you've covered? Because you've done the World Series for 14 years, is that correct? Or the last 11 years for ESPN Radio. Yeah, so I'll start there. You know, as a baseball nut, to do the World Series is uh, an unbelievable uh, blessing that that I've had. So my first one might be my favorite one. It was the Cardinals and the Rangers. And off the top, you know, when I say that, that might not spark memories for the average fan. But game six, what I call the David Freeze game, 
was the game where he tripled with two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning. Texas was a strike away from winning. Yeah. And Freed tripled over the head of Nelson Cruz to tie the game in the ninth inning and then homered in the 11th to win that game. And then they went on to win game seven. So, you know, game six of that World Series right at the top of the list. Uh, you know, to call the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. How many people have had a chance to do that? So all the World <laughs> Series are special, but a lot of them come courtesy of ESPN Radio in October. On the college basketball side, you know, again, I'm, I'm a kid from Canada, and, and I grew up loving basketball. Uh, but for me to, to wind up doing games at Duke or Carolina or Kentucky or Kansas or UCLA or wherever – is just off the charts for me. And, I, and I've uh, I've been doing Duke Carolina games, I think, for the last 13, 14 years now, something like that. And as you and I speak, it's Thursday, and I'm getting on a plane tonight to go do another one on Saturday, Coach K's last game at Cameron. So, you know, any Duke Carolina game to me is very, very special. And I try to – now when I, whenever I walk into Cameron or walk into the Dean Dome, I try to really appreciate where I am and the fact that somebody was nice enough to let me call this game for them because – you know, I'm closer to the finish line than the starting line at this point, and, and I want to be very appreciative of everything that I've been lucky enough to do. And you've mentioned those, too, and I've, I've been uh, blessed to be able to attend games, not broadcast them or write about them, but attend games at both of those facilities. And I'm a K-State guy, and yet I say the best atmosphere in college basketball is Allen Fieldhouse. Where would you rank Allen Fieldhouse? And, you know, you've been all over. You, you broadcast games, probably hundreds of different arenas. Yeah, number one. And and I say that I'm not just saying that because you're wearing a chief shirt and because I know you're from that area. So but I, I am uh, I always say Allen Fieldhouse is number one. It, it's uh, you walk in there and it feels like you're walking back in time. You know, you, you, yeah. you'd you swear that it's 1957 when you walk in there or something like that. And, and uh, I love it. I, I always say uh, Allen Fieldhouse, number one, Cameron, uh, number two for Duke. And when Indiana is good, like really, like really good Indiana, that assembly hall is unbelievable. Uh, there are others. Uh, Purdue is fantastic. I, and I always like to mention some that maybe don't, you know, aren't thought of all that much. Uh, when Iowa State's very good, that place is insane. Yes. It's nuts. There are so many good places, uh, I think, in the Big 12 and in the Big 10, kind of in the upper Midwest or the Midwest. Um, maybe it's because it's smaller towns and they don't have professional sports in every single town. But um, the usual answer that I give is Kansas, Duke, Indiana, Purdue is my final four, yeah. if you will. Where, just as a personal note, where, where would you rank Bramlage Coliseum when K-State is good? And especially so, when it Yeah, in 27 years of doing this, David, I think I've been there two or three times. Okay. Um, that's it. Um, and it, I do know this. I think when I was there, it was probably for a Kansas game. Yeah. And so it's it's very special for a Kansas game, obviously, right. when Kansas State is good enough to compete and maybe win the game. So it's uh, I always say my, my favorite type of college basketball game is when Goliath goes into David's house and David has a legit chance of winning. When Duke's on the road, when Kansas is on the road, Kentucky yeah. on the road, you know, Duke at Wake Forest or Duke at Virginia Tech can be unbelievable. Yes. Kentucky at LSU can be yeah. unbelievable. Kansas at K-State can be unbelievable. So I, I think in the right year with the right matchup, a place like Bramlage is, is fantastic. You've got a, a great ability to get appropriately excited during a game without shouting at the audience. And I'm not, I'm not picking in on anybody. I'm friends with Dick Vitale, and obviously 
he has made a living about shouting at the audience. But I think it's I think it's unique, fairly unique that you can be excited without shouting. Is that something you worked on or is that a natural trait? It's a good question. I think most of it is just kind of a uh, it's just kind of the way you naturally are. I mean, I mean, like all like all broadcasters should from time to time and not as much as when I was younger, but from time to time, you listen back to yourself and you say, OK, when, um, you know, when Kansas hit that shot to win the game, what did it sound like? It felt like I was like an eight out of 10 on the energy scale. Was I an eight? And then you might listen back to it and say, oh, boy, I was only a six or something like that. Sometimes things feel differently coming out than they sound when you watch them back. So there was a little bit of work, um, maybe more than a little bit of work that went into that just to kind of find your comfort zone. I think it's like a, you know, like a, like a hitter working on his swing. You've got your natural swing, but then you look at the results and you say, okay, maybe I've got to change a little bit here, a little bit there. Not, not, I've still got to be true to myself, but I've got to make some adjustments. So, um, but I think most of it just comes from who you are naturally, how much enthusiasm you feel inside, how much you convey that enthusiasm in the course of calling a game. I never, ever, ever, try to fake enthusiasm or make myself sound louder or more excited than I am. I think authenticity is about the most important thing that a broadcaster can have. So um, I hope people, I hope people think I'm in a good range because that's, that's my range. And, and I think I didn't know until you told me at the beginning of this uh, episode that, that you are, you consider yourself an introvert. Maybe that's part of it is that an introvert generally isn't going to, put himself forward, isn't going to draw attention to himself. And so the, right. the play-by-play guy, you can be excited, but you're not going to get so excited that you draw attention to yourself. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think too, when you do as many games, and I don't work with them as much anymore, but when you do as many games as I did with Dick, you know, yeah. you can't have two, you can't have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll lose, you know, so um <laughs> Uh, I, I remember a long time ago, I think I, I think it was my dad, and we were talking about something at the beginning of my career. And and he said, he said, Danny, he said, uh, he said, not everybody can be Johnny Carson. He said, but Ed McMahon had a pretty good life. And I said, you know what, you're right. And and so I and I've always thought of that. Now, that's a dated reference. People under 30 probably you know don't know what we're talking about. But but I've always felt here's another analogy. Um a producer said this to me once. He goes, he goes, if our show was like a basketball team, you're the point guard, which is true. The, the producer is the coach. Right. And um, the play-by-play guy is the point guard. And it's my job to move the ball around, get everybody involved. And he said, he said, you're a, you're a pass first point guard. He said, you're, you're like Steve Nash. And as a Canadian too, I love that because Steve there Nash you go. is Canadian. <laughs> but I, but I love that analogy because I don't go into a game saying, how can I be good? I go into a game saying, how can I help the show be good? And, yeah. and that's the attitude I've always tried to have. No, that's a, that's a, I love that exact example because, you know, the show's better when, when you let Jay shine and when you let Holly shine. Yeah. Um, and so if you're, you know, you're still going to get, not that you're in it for the fame or the glory or something like that. You're still going to be recognized as a good point guard if you pass well and occasionally if you've got the open shot you hit the shot right yeah if the shot's open i'll take it but if not i'd like to move the ball to jay or holly or the producer or the director or the graphics people uh or the you know there there are a lot of people it's a team sport just like the sport we're covering so um 
I've never, ever, ever walked out of a game saying, man, I was good tonight. Never. But I have walked out of many games saying, wow, we had a good show. And that, that's when I feel the best about things. That's awesome. Well, speaking of Jay, as you know, I've known Jay for a long time. Great guy. One of the things I like about you and Jay together is the is the banner. And sometimes it's sarcastic. I, I tell people I'm bilingual. I speak English and sarcasm. Uh, yeah. But I, I love your comments. And it happens a lot when you guys comment on somebody, maybe it's Matthew Meyer from Baylor or somebody who's got long flowing locks and you guys who are both um, follically challenged, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you laugh about that. Is, yeah. is that something that just happens or do you? Yeah. It just happens. We never planned a, never planned anything. And I, I don't ever remember Jay and I planning a single thing in all the years that we've worked together. I, I, I've always said to him, that I feel bald is always funny, especially to the unbald. <laughs> Everybody else thinks bald is funny. So, um, you, you know, sometimes our director will have one of the camera operators take a shot of us. You know, the, the odd game, you might have two or even all three of the officials who are bald, and then it's like a convention. Yeah. People think it, people think it's funny. And, and, and it doesn't bother me that I'm bald. It's never bothered me that I'm bald. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. Maybe in my 20s, it bothered me for a little bit. But it's been a long time since it bothered me. And if it gives people a laugh, great. And and another thing I learned is, uh, you know, you know, self deprecation is is has its place too. You know, it it, it probably gives the audience a bit more of a, a connection with you, or yeah. they can relate to you a little bit. Like I'm just like everybody else. I just happen to have this job. So, yeah. um, you know, you it's with Jay. He's so you know, incredibly quick witted that sometimes it's hard to keep up. And every now and again, he'll zing one by me and I, and I won't get it in time. And I will get to the next break. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man, I misunderstood that or something like that. But, but um, I, I think we both enjoy it. And, and I think, I think one of the reasons it's so much fun to, to listen to games that you're broadcasting is that you're both self-deprecating. You both have the quick wit. My all-time favorite Jay Billis moment wasn't actually on a game. It was on a pregame probably five or six years ago, Virginia was just getting pretty good. And game day was in Charlottesville and they had Ralph Sampson on the, on the set. And they were showing highlights of Ralph playing against Duke and Jay, I would say guarding him, but he wasn't, but he was paired up with him. And, and then after those highlights, they interviewed, uh, introduced Ralph and he talked for a little bit. And then they had Holly over in the corner uh, and they bring out, Tony Bennett. And some, I think Reese said, Tony, wouldn't it be nice to have Ralph Sampson in your lineup tonight as you're facing Duke? And he goes, I don't know if it'd be better to have Ralph in our lineup or make sure Jay was playing for Duke. And nobody <laughs> laughed harder than Jay. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was, it's hard to get him speechless, but he was speechless because he just sat there on the set laughing. And Tony Bennett's not a, not a real funny guy. He's a, he's a great guy, but he's, you know, but he got Jay. That was one of the great ones. And again, Jay did not get upset at all. No, he doesn't get upset. And and one time I remember I made fun of him for something and obviously in a very playful way. I mean, the guy yeah. had a great career at Duke and played overseas and could have done anything he wanted to. And 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 I, I think I took a little friendly shot at him one time. And right away he said, oh, yeah, where can I find your stats online? And, and we just laughed <laughs> and laughed. And it was a perfect comeback, you know, yeah. because uh, it was all in, in, in good spirits and good fun. But he made his point. You know, he's 
He, he had 1,062 points at Duke. That's 1,062 more than anybody can find online for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now, you've had a lot of great partners. You talk about Dick. You talk about Jay. I'm not going to ask you to comment on all of them, but what what are your favorite memories? Not, not your Who are your favorite partners? That's unfair. Yeah. What are your favorite memories of partnering with different broadcast partners? Well, when I started on college basketball, I worked a lot with Bill Raftery, who was was and is just as, you know as good as it gets. A uh, phenomenal broadcaster, wonderful human being. He taught a lot. Um, I worked with Lan Elmore on Jay. I mean, you can't work with two people who are more different than Dick Vitale and Jay Billis. Yeah. But I have enjoyed each experience equally. I have learned a ton from each of them. I have enjoyed friendships with each of them. Um, and feel very lucky. Uh, on the baseball side, um, I've had my Blue Jay life and my ESPN life. So my Blue Jay life, I've worked for years and years with Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler. Both are great, great guys. I have a tremendous uh, history in Toronto and Canada, tremendous following. And then ESPN, I've worked with so many people, it's crazy. Um, you know, I did a couple of years with Tony Gwynn. I've, I worked with Jill Morgan, so two yeah. Hall of Famers. Um, and then when I got to, uh, I worked with Oral Hershiser for years. Had a great, great run with Oral Hershiser. Right. And then when I got to Sunday Night Baseball, um, unfortunately, it, th th there were changes almost every year. I didn't have um, a, a constant partner. But on the positive side, you know, got to work with a lot of wonderful people and, and uh, too many to mention all of them. But, but in particular, Terry Francona and Aaron Boone, both are very, very close friends of mine. And, and um, Aaron, I, uh, I knew before and in, a, in, a, in kind of a fluky sort of way I kind of got Aaron into broadcasting after after his playing days were over and we wound up working together um, and now he's the manager of the Yankees and I'm a broadcaster for the Blue Jays so we're in the same division but we still get along great and Tito Terry Francona Tito is as good a guy as you'll ever be I, I mean they don't get any better you know worked with John Cruck and, and got along great with him and et cetera et cetera et cetera so um, I, I've been I've been very lucky I actually have a word document on my uh, computer that where I've listed as, as well as I can remember everybody I've worked with in both sports. And it's um, it's, it's a fun list to look at every now and again on a flight when you got nothing better to do. Really? I, I would love to hear, maybe not today, maybe not on something that's going to be listenable to young people. I'd love to hear yeah. some crucky stories uh, from what I understand. <laughs> I don't know him from what I understand. He is an absolute riot. He's a beauty. He is, he's the best. And, and, you know, I'm a, a big city kid from Canada, and he's a small town guy from West Virginia. We had nothing. We have nothing in common, except that we both we have the same birthday. That's the only thing we have in common. But we we got along and continue to get along great. I don't see him very much if the Blue Jays play the Phillies or we'll text each other on our birthdays or something like that. Or if I'm doing a West Virginia game, I'll probably get a text from him. But he was an absolute beauty. He was one of those lovable curmudgeons. He is one of those lovable curmudgeons, you know, like. Grumpy on the outside, but come on, correctly. What's uh, you know on the inside? Yeah. We all know you're a teddy bear. Um, you know, again, because he was a Philly, and I grew up in Toronto. The '93 World Series between the Blue Jays and Phillies is something we've talked about a little bit. He doesn't like talking about it as much as I do because yeah, I'm sure the Phillies. <laughs> but he, but I, I absolutely loved loved working. I don't know how many years, four or five. I worked with him. I guess just just loved it. And speaking of the hair, he had plenty of hair to uh, to show off. Yeah. But he had that comeback as well. Did you pattern your broadcasting style? We're kind of transitioning into baseball. Did you pattern it after someone uh, or did it just, again, develop as part of your personality? 
Yeah, I've tried never, to be honest with you, to pattern myself after anybody. I've, I've learned things from people like, okay, in a tricky play like that, a, a ball down the line, you're not sure if it's fair or foul, and the runners are, are, are circling, how do they, you know, so like situation-specific things, I've tried right. to learn from other people because I think that's something we can all do. But I've never tried to pattern myself after anybody. Um my none of, I, I don't think any of my favorites will surprise you. I, I used to listen to a ton of baseball on radio when I was younger, and, and you know, not all the games were on TV. Uh, Harry Callis in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, Ernie Harwell in Detroit, uh, Jack Buck in St. Louis. Absolutely loved Jack Buck. And then the Blue Jay broadcaster, the Tom Cheek, is in the Hall of Fame. One of the great baseball broadcasters, obviously better known in Canada than he is in the U.S. And then some. Years later, I grew up to meet and become friends with and work along. I think I liked kind of the classic old style, old school, hardcore baseball announcers back yeah. in those days. You know, you've got the great, you've got another group of great guys too. Like you mentioned, Dick Enberg and, and Al Michaels and Bob Costas and guys who could do anything. They could do any sport. And I loved, loved all of them as well. Um, but when I think of the guys that I, of the announcers that I really, really uh, loved when I was a kid. It, it's, it's, it was some of the longest serving, you know, hall of fame radio guys that I would spend, I would spend hours listening to if I was out in the car. Yeah. All right. R- wrap up with a couple of personal questions. What do you do in your spare time? Uh, I'm a dad. So I, uh, I have three older boys and then I have a, a little guy from my second marriage. So he takes up a fair bit of my time. Uh, I try to exercise. I, I was I was playing a lot of basketball till a few months ago. I finally uh, retired, if you will. I just turned fifty five, and I got enough uh, warning signs in basketball. Um, I read a little bit. I walk the dog, and my wife and I watch some some Netflix stuff. But I, the work takes up a lot of time. To be honest with you, like if I have um, if I have a basketball game Saturday and a basketball game Monday, I get home Tuesday. And if I'm doing, say, I'm doing KUK State on Saturday, and then I'm doing Louisville, Virginia on Monday, I'll sit there and watch Kansas's last two or three games, K State's last two or three games, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I can I can busy myself with work pretty well, more than I probably should. But I'm a bit of a prepaholic. But um, but uh, the free time is basically spent, uh, you know, with my family. Or my my basketball, the guys I played basketball with, they're my buddies, you know, going out for the odd nachos and beer or something like that. But I'm a I'm a pretty low-key boring guy. Speaking of family, I like to wrap up my all my interviews with the with the same two questions. First of all, talk about your family. I know uh, your dad passed away recently. My condolences uh, with that. But just talk about the influence of family in your life. Oh, huge. Uh, uh, we're a very tight-knit family. I have two younger sisters. Um, as you said, my dad, who was a wonderful guy, passed away about a month ago, loved, loved, loved sports. Uh, if I've done 3000 games in my career, I bet you he's missed five of them. Like, I'm not kidding. He, he never, even if he, <coughs> excuse me, had to DVR them and watch them later, he never missed them. Um, and like I said, I've got three older boys from my first marriage. My oldest son is married. So in a couple of years, I could be a grandpa for crying out loud. And then I've got my three-year-old as well. Um, uh, I live 
quarter of a mile from where my, my mom is, where my mom and dad were, where my mom is and, and everybody sees each other all the time. So we, we grew up as a, as a close knit group and uh, it's, it stayed that way. That's good. I've, I've got a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old and a five-month-old granddaughter. So nice. three, three girls all within uh, 15, 20 minute drive. And there's nothing like being a grandpa. I love my kids. I've got a, a son and a daughter in their late thirties. But there, I can be having the worst day imaginable. One of those little girls runs into the house. Grandpa, I'm here, and everything's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. get ready I'm for it. It'll that. blow you away. Um, yeah. Last question we'll, we'll finish up with, and I always like to end with this one. What is your legacy? I've never thought about that. Um, I, I think I would like it to be just somebody who um, – you know, worked hard at his job and did it and did it reasonably well. Nothing more than that. Again, if you if we go back to the the point guard analogy and move the ball and introvert and all that, I I, I don't think in those terms. Just somebody where it, it you know, if my name comes up, somebody might say, yeah, yeah, I remember him. He did a pretty good job. That not, nothing more than that. Uh, one of my sons is going into broadcasting, so you know, maybe my legacy will be that I got uh, you know that not I got him into it, that he got into it in part because he grew up and around it and loves sports. He's a sports nut, you know, so maybe that'll be part of the legacy as well, that there's another one coming down the, coming down the pike. But um, I, I've never, I've never thought of legacy, just, just somebody who, who worked hard and, and did a pretty good job. I, I'm, I'm content with that. All right. Well, good way to wrap it up. I know you've got to get going here. When Toronto comes to Kansas city, I cover a lot of games at Kauffman stadium. So I'll definitely come down to the fourth floor and say hello to you. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Look forward to that, David. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.